Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Welcome, Bears fans, once again to Bears Scat. The scat is emphasized right now. I'm Thomas. Uh, scat's doing a lot of work in our title. I'm Jim. And that's all we're going to talk about. What? What a. It's another one of these weeks where it feels this like. This is house size scat. <laughs> it. It, it, it feels like this week has lasted a year already, and it's Wednesday. So, first of all, the Bears go out to Los Angeles and are just awful. Can't tackle anybody. Terrible. Tyson Vagent looks like we expected against a defense that has a pulse. Completely get their doors blown off out in Los Angeles. And then we go through the Monday and all the reaction to that. And then Tuesday, we wake up and learn that Jalen Johnson's requested a trade. And then... The Bears trade for Montez Sweat, and then Jalen Johnson doesn't get traded, and now Jalen Johnson and Ryan Poles are clearly upset with each other. And then today, Wednesday, and Tom, check my math here on this. The Bears are 2-6, and six, correct? Uh, yes. And that's less than half a season, correct? Yes. And they've already had to fire two coaches for inappropriate behavior? <laughs> We've had to fire two coaches for inappropriate behavior in less than half of a season. Is, is that good? No. Okay. So It's actually unheard of. So, so that's going on. I've been watching football for a long time. I've never heard of anything like this before. No. Me either. Not at the NFL level, for sure. And then Ryan Poles talks today, and he gives a ringing vote of confidence for Matt Eberflus. So I was fortunate I did not hear that, and I'm glad I did it. And now, now, <laughs> and now, and then Montez sweats like, eh, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to sign a contract extension yet, even though they just traded a second round pick for him. So uh, I don't, I don't know if I missed anything there, but. That's all happened in the last couple days, and this is just a disaster. So where a, do you where do you small, want to start? A uh, suitcase-sized thermonuclear device just went off. So once again, the scat in our title is doing a lot of work. <laughs> uh, where where do you want to start? Okay, so I think that we start with number with the with the with the top thing, and that is the coach situation. Um, so the running backs coach, I did. I was gonna write down his name, and then I didn't even bother because it's like, what? What's the point? And David uh, Walker and um, Alan Williams. Uh, that whole thing, uh, I don't understand how this happens. Um, so uh, Jim and I were discussing this. Um, Poles chose Eberflus. Eberflus chose. His coaching staff. This to me falls on Eberflus. I agree, and like it, it's hard to say when something like this happens where the process goes wrong because, well, I guess first of all with Alan Williams, like that was Eberflus's guy. Like Eber, right. Eberflus coached with him forever and in Indy, brought him over. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about this Walker character. I'd never heard of him before. I don't know if he was a coach in Indy or if Eberflus interviewed him, but. The fact of the matter remains that both of these coaches now have had to be fired because of not upholding the Bears' standard, according to Ryan Poles. And on one hand, it's good that the Bears fire people when they're acting inappropriately, but h- how does this happen twice in the span of six weeks? And It's, uh, it's inexplicable, and it should be inexplicable 
inexplicable because it should never happen. I can't think of anything like this in all my years watching professional sports. And look, I understand that sometimes guys say things in interviews that they don't mean. Or sometimes you can be a great interviewer and then your behavior is totally different. That stuff can happen in all walks of life. But clearly something's not happening in that building in terms of communicating what's acceptable and what's unacceptable. And look, bad things may happen in other organizations and maybe the executives just look the other way so we never find out about it. So I'm glad that the Bears aren't doing that. But at the same time, what the hell is going on when you clearly have a culture problem on your coaching staff and Eberflus can say that they don't have a culture problem all he wants they clearly have a culture problem they clearly have have a culture problem and when you have to fire two coaches in six weeks so and the way I understand it is this guy like HR just went to him yeah and apparently he was on his second warning or something like that so so whatever he did was completely inappropriate and against uh, what would be tolerated in any corporate or standard business environment. Yeah. When HR has to walk you out, that means, you know, something bad happened. And yeah. It's just another example in the last 18 months of this regime of just things being sloppy. And Neither one of these firings was a standard firing that we see in the NFL, like Josh McDaniels was just fired. He was fired because he was not achieving the goals that he was given when he was hired as head coach. This is something this is something else. This is something that would get you fired in any yeah, business. This is not related to like job performance. This Co- is con- conduct related. Yeah. So, look, if they had two bad apples and they just had the unluckiest hiring streak and they just ended up with two bad guys and they got rid of them then fine, but this is unprecedented to me, where you see two guys having to be walked out of the building for apparently unrelated issues, by the way. Like, apparently just not... It, like, it's not something where the two of them were, like, gambling on the NFL together or something. Like, it, it sounds like there was no connection between the two incidents. So, I don't know. I, I don't know if they're just not vetting their hires appropriately or if they're not communicating what the standards are in their building or if they're not taking notice of red flags. But either way, it's just a terrible look for the organization. It's a terrible look for Matt Eberflus. And, you know, um, when Eberflus was hired, uh, obviously we're just like a lot of the Bears fans out there. Um, Jim and I were hoping to bring in uh, an offensive coordinator and make him the head coach uh, so we could, for one thing, establish a great connection between uh, uh, Justin Fields and the new head coach, that could have some longevity attached to it. Uh, when they first brought in Eberflus, um, I looked at him, and I think, Jim, you were kind of on the same page that, yeah, he's kind of a square, but he, he does seem like, you know, he's, he, 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 at the top of his accolade sheet was uh, his work with Leonard. Uh, you know, he made uh, uh, Darius Leonard uh, uh, help guide him to Rookie of the Year, as a third round pick, I think. Yeah, I think so. Second and, grade. and, um, I, you know, I was just looking at his resume right here and I mean, he's worked with Rob Ryan. Uh, he's worked with, uh, Marinelli. 
So he's he's had some good people uh, around him. Um, and everything I read in general about him was that he, he was a really solid stand-up guy. But and the, and then like you were mentioning, Alan, Alan Williams was like uh, he 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 laid out the red carpet for him as far as he said that this guy was you know a great he was so happy to be bringing that guy from uh, Indy with him because he you know he knew this guy and this was he, he knew what kind uh, knew what to expect from him. Yeah, and that was the guy that was going to run his defense because Eberflus's whole thing was he. Wanted to be the CEO. He didn't want to call plays. Which, which I am all for. I, I remember that you and I were excited about that because we had to deal with four years of Matt Nagy calling his own offensive plays and consistently screwing it up. And <laughs> so he brings over Williams, who, like you said, his guy, I'm sure they didn't even have to interview him because they've worked together for so long. And look, generally, generally, I feel like workplace misconduct error uh, issues don't just like come out of left field. Not it, usually. It's usually a pattern of behavior. So the fact that Matt Eberflus... One that usually follows, uh, even from job to job. Correct. It's usually a result of people looking the other way for multiple periods of time, and then all of a sudden you get caught, and people aren't looking the other way anymore, and you're fired. And it, it sure seems to me, reading between the lines with Alan Williams, that's what happened here. And Look, I don't know if Iberflus was just oblivious or incompetent, or maybe if we give him the benefit of the doubt, maybe Alan Williams was an upstanding citizen for however long he worked with Iberflus, and then he just, for whatever reason, decided to act out here. I, I really don't know, and I don't want to speculate on it, but when Iberflus was hired, his whole thing was supposed to be discipline and culture, and we haven't seen that really play out on the field. The Bears have a terrible record, and a lot of times they seem poorly coached and unprepared. And now you see that he's had to let multiple members of his coaching staff go that, to your point, he hired. And that doesn't really speak highly of his discipline and culture off the field either. So Iberflus, I don't, I don't know if he's just overwhelmed or if he's just completely incompetent or both, probably both. But... <laughs> It's a mess here, and I was, before polls talk today, I was like, this has to be close to the final straw. Like, yeah. I, I was thinking, maybe this guy will coach this week, and then he'll coach the Carolina game, and then he'll be fired, because the poor on-field product combined with the dysfunction in the building is just too much for anybody to survive, and then polls comes down, and he's talking about Iberflus like he's the second coming of Bill Belichick today. Yeah. And look, we've all heard votes of confidence from executives in the past. And a lot of times they can sound pretty uninspiring. They're just like, yeah, we have complete faith in our guy. We're going to evaluate it when the season ends. But right now he's our head coach. That's typically what it is. But polls went on this long praise of Iberflus that made it sound like this guy's done a great job and that he doesn't have to worry about job security at all. So I, I don't know. Well, uh Taking into account that this is the second year, um, last year, all of us as fans saw several instances where the team was playing um, in a really, in a manner that seemed unorganized, disarray, chaotic, uh, no cohesion whatsoever. Um, there seemed to be quite a bit of uh like you said incompetence in play uh in play calling 
um, in uh, adjustments and response to the and you know the environment of the game and Everyone what was Justin happening. Fields got hurt during the game and just nobody noticed. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, 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 right, stuff like that, and you, you, we accepted it because he was. It was a new coaching staff. Everything was new, and th- and we wanted him to lose. Yeah, it was, yeah, and at a certain point, we we wanted. We him were embracing to lose. the tank. Yeah, we were embracing the tank, but any, I'm pretty sure any fan at a certain point is like, I, you know, I don't just, you know, okay, yes, the tank is on, but I still want to see the team play like they're a football team. <laughs> like they have some competence. Like nice. there is, there is some promise here. And we saw a lot of that last year where it seemed like there was none. And this year we expected to see more. Yeah, this year has been a huge disappointment in a lot. In of a ways. lot of ways, worse. And it, sure, yeah, absolutely right. And it started off week one where the team came out unimp- unprepared and uninspired, and just got their doors blown off by a by team. a terrible team. Yeah, by a team that's turned out to be really bad at home. Correct. So in in a, one of the most hyped games in years. Yeah, I mean, the city of Chicago was so ready to get behind this Bears team. And they just come out and lay a complete egg in week one against the Packers. And that's, by the way, following up a preseason where everybody on the team got hurt. So to the point where you couldn't even play your starters in preseason games at all because there were so many injuries that you just couldn't even have your starting quarterback and other key positions out there. It's just, it was ridiculous. Yeah, and then loss in Tampa Bay, loss in Kansas City. Somehow they muster up a spasm of competence and go to Washington and beat uh, the Commanders on Thursday Night Football, and then more losses, and then they win against the corpse of the Raiders team, who's now fired their coach. So I don't really understand how Matt Eberflus can keep his job, and even if the things that Paul said are true, that he's a great leader and he's got the room's attention, which I find hard to believe, honestly, but (laughs) let's say that they are true. The results in the field are just terrible. And that's, and that's what really counts here. And and things are more, this isn't a team building exercise, right? And things are more dysfunctional. Like we've brought up Mark Trestman multiple times. And the fact that you are being mentioned in the same light as Mark Tressman is not a compliment. And actually, Tressman uh, has more kudos because he has the, he still has the greatest offensive output of any Bears team in, in, in history. People forget about Mark Tressman. Other than the 85. Right. People forget that going into Mark Tressman's second year, people were picking the Bears to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. It crashed and burned. And he crashed had, and burned. He had to be fired. But people... Real people were picking the Bears to win the Super Bowl going into Tressman's second year. This regime, had, it's it, they, they were the worst team in the NFL last year, and things are worse this year, like you said. Yeah. The, the only way that this organization is closer to a Super Bowl than they were when Poles and Eberflus took over is now they have a number one wide receiver, which is great, but... There's more questions than answers have been created, and I don't know. It's it's just 
demoralizing because I really had some hope for this year that things would start to turn around. And I wasn't expecting them to make the playoffs or to even finish above 500, really. But I, I was expecting to be able to sit here at the halfway point and say that the arrow was pointing in the right direction, and it is certainly not. Agreed. I, I thought, you know, outside chance, uh, they may, they, they'd finish 500. Um, well, I, technically they can't finish 500 because it's a 17-game schedule. But, uh, you know, eight win, seven, eight wins I right. thought was realistic, and I think uh, Vegas was seven. That eh, sounds right. Seven and a half, maybe. Yeah, so... They were way over. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, right now, um, the team is not only bad, but they look terrible being bad. Can you say that? Yeah. I just did. I mean, so, you know, I, I just, I, I, that's the part that is really hard to swallow. Yeah, exactly. And look, I understand that going on the road with Tyson Bajant was always going to be a tough spot. That's but, to me. That's irrelevant. But the the tackling in the game was terrible. Just yeah, the penalties too, and just not looking like a professional team. Just in terms of the basics, uh, the how how is the tackling this bad when you've got a defensive head coach who whose entire coaching philosophy is based around tackling and situational awareness and whatever the other letters in the hits principle are. <laughs> like, they, they, they looked like they were a JV team playing against the varsity against the Chargers. Right. And, look, the Chargers were, what, 10-point favorites? They, they were expected to win that game, but it was over from jump. And too many times in this regime, it's been over from jump. And, gosh, you just want to at least see things look professional out there and in so many different games under Matt Eberflus they've looked less than professional to say the least yeah absolutely um the only game that I I really uh thought was 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 a good output was the Washington game um obviously uh we see how good that team is um but I what I liked uh was that uh, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, we we got to see uh, Fields and, and Moore really do what we, we what we believe they're capable of doing on a regular basis, um, and we also got to see some life out of a defense that has been dead last and deserving of being dead last. So, uh, but uh, you know. Um, it looks like it's going to be kind of just grit our teeth and and, and see how this goes. Um, so I got some I got some uh, I got a, a few others. So I got some questions here and I'm going to throw at you. First, do you think we're one thing that has been made clear over and over again is that we need a three technique. Mm-hmm. That's key, right? Do you think we're any closer now to having that three technique than we were when Poles and Eberflus were hired? Uh, Gervon Dexter was drafted to be the three technique. And I think he's been okay. I, I haven't necessarily seen him flash in a way that makes me think he's going to be special, but he's still developing. He's pretty – I mean, it was known when he came into the league. He, he was raw. Yeah, so – I know people that 
are better at breaking down film have said he's been, you know, some good, some bad. So I have some hope there, but I, I haven't seen anything yet to make me think that he's the long-term answer at that position. I, I, I mean, I think Justin Jones has, uh, has, has done, I actually think that that turned out to be a pretty decent acquisition. I think he's been pretty average. I mean, I don't, I don't think he's you know a special player by any means, yeah. but um, I think that he he's done pretty well. But he is he really a three? I mean, he still seems more like a nose tackle to me than than the three technique. He doesn't seem to have you know that three technique is supposed to have that burst to be able to get past uh, that that those front linemen unless you know or even break down a double team and, and get to the quarterback. Yeah, I don't think Justin... We don't have really any more pr- pressure up front. This year? Yeah. No. And I mean, so, you know, maybe we can see that develop a little bit more, but it, it, it certainly seems like it's it, it hasn't been good. Yeah, it'd be nice to see Dexter flash a little bit more in the second half of the year because that was a high draft pick, and that's the most important position on the defense, so... If he's not the answer, then that means you've swung and missed a couple times there. Right, right. So I, the reason I wanted to bring that up is because that's, you know, that, that last year polls focused on bringing in a bunch of linemen. They weren't all that great linemen, but they we needed personnel. This year, he kind of did the same thing with defensive tackle. How long do you think that polls should have? I mean, do you... Do you think that we should be looking at he's probably fired at the end of the year? No. um, I think that he deserves an opportunity to learn from his mistakes a little bit. He's made some bad mistakes. We've talked about Chase Claypool. Clearly... That was a horrible mistake. Clearly the coach he hired was not the right coach. Yep, that and was a bad mistake. That trickles down to what we've been talking about for the first part of this episode. With However, that's a mistake staff. that a lot of GMs have done. Oh, yeah. So, I, I don't know that it's been bad enough to merit firing after only two years. That's a pretty short stint. We've seen it happen before, and the Bears hired Kevin Warren after hiring Ryan Pohl. So, it's entirely possible that Warren could just want to start fresh, but... To me, I, I think Poles should get an opportunity to pick a new quarterback and hopefully to pick a new coach. And I, I think there's been enough draft picks that look decent and enough free agent signings that look decent. And I really did like the trade for DJ Moore. So I, I think there's been more bad than good. Don't get me wrong. I, I wouldn't say he's done a good job, but I, I don't know that I've seen enough to want to fire him yet. So I'm in agreement with you. Um, I, I I think he absolutely deserves more time than he's received. Um, he I, to me he made it perfectly clear that um, he was looking for the team to start being competitive in 2024, um, and he was not he was not coy about that. He, he point blank said, "Don't expect anything for the ne- next two years." Yeah. He another part of it I, I think that is easy to forget is is what he took over. What he took over was a giant pile of scat, yeah, <laughs> right? Correct. So, um, it, you know, we, we can't look look past that either. But at the same time, there has been some pretty big red marks against him. Um, the 
the Claypool situation. Now, one thing I'm interested to know, when when he went and got Claypool, I liked that move. And I, I looked at Me what too. Claypool's numbers were. They were very solid by any by any standard uh, in Pittsburgh. Uh, not to mention that the uh, the kid had a lot of size and speed. He looked like he had the talent to break out to be possibly a one, at least a high two. Right. Right. Um, total disaster. Didn't even, I, make, didn't even make it a year. I would put more of that on Eberflus and Getze than I would on Poles because Poles provided the guy and uh, they were not able to do any kind of development with him. Now, at the same time, Poles thought, uh, you know, this guy that is not working very well uh, with Pittsburgh, I'm going to go ahead and take a flyer on him. He should have been... In my opinion, he should have been looking at that guy and going, hmm, he's not working so well for Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin is a great coach, a Hall of Fame coach, and is known, he's had great wide receivers under him, right? You, you can make a long list of great wide receivers that have played for that guy. And this guy turned out to be bung. So, so what kind of, it should have been some cautionary. Well, I agree. And I agree with you on your comment about Eberflus because go to any professional sport and go to any team that's won championships and you'll find players on that roster that are lazy or not motivated or (laughs) disgruntled in some way and great coaches find a way all of those yeah great coaches find a way to get the most out of those players and that's part of coaching and sure sometimes a guy's just too big of a knucklehead and there's just nothing you can do with him i i get that we've seen examples of that year after year after year in pro sports. But also, there's a lot of players that maybe aren't the most professional or maybe have issues with their contract or issues with their coach. And good organizations find a way to maximize that talent. And the Bears certainly didn't do that with Chase Claypool. Now, to your point, the Steelers didn't either. And we'll see. If he goes down to Miami and flames out there, then maybe it's just that Chase Claypool is just not professional enough to be an NFL wide receiver but boy the Bears certainly did not even come close to getting the most out of him they didn't get anything out of him really so yeah it it was a a, clearly a bad decision to acquire him the coaching staff did a terrible job with him and then it ended up being so toxic that they had to cut bait on him and send him home and say you're you're such a that was another one of those things that's like Wait, what? Yeah, this this year, man. This this year so far has felt like it's been like 18 months of time. Yeah. Like this season started less than 2 months ago. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's insane when you think about it that way because if you had asked me like what week does this feel like? This feels like it's week 17 in a season yeah. that has gone completely off the rails or we're not even halfway done. Please let it in. Like, Chase Claypool feels like it was six months ago already. Oh, and yeah, it, it does. It, it feels like, um, it just feels like this thing is going on forever. Yep. So, did you have a did you have any oh, yeah. questions? Yeah, so, um, in relation to de- player development, I felt like, uh, I, I felt like the coaching staff 
and polls were 100% behind uh, making Justin Fields the focus of this team at the beginning of 2022. Uh, I certainly don't feel that way now. No. How do you look at it? I think that's right. I think they like Bajent, honestly. Like, <laughs> I think that is... So, this is interesting. Did, did you make anything of the fact that they came out, like, Monday morning and were just said, Justin's out this week? Because for the, la- the last two weeks, they've been like, well, he's doubtful, but we'll week to week, we'll see how it goes. And then now in the third week of the injury, they just come out right away and they're like, yeah, he's out. Like, yes, it's bizarre. Like, that to me was really interesting because this coaching staff doesn't tell you anything about injuries. They, they just yeah. kick the can down the road and they don't really give you anything. So the fact that immediately after the game against the Chargers, they're like, yeah, Bajan's getting another start. I, I did find that interesting. And I, I don't know if that means that the injuries may be worse than they thought or if they just said, all right, like until Justin's 100%, we want to see more from Bajan. I have a theory about what's going on and – I think that if you asked Luke Getze after he's had a couple beers, he'd probably tell you that he thinks that Justin Fields is going to get him fired. Like, Fields won't do what he tells him to do, and that's the reason why the offense hasn't worked. So I, I think what Getze is doing is he's going to say, look, if I can get this offense to look okay with Tyson Bajant, who we know doesn't have a ton of talent, then he can go to polls at the end of the year and said, look, I, I got the offense to work with a guy that'll do what I say and that will follow my system and that will get the ball where I want it. So if you can go out and get me a quarterback that does those things and also has a elite arm, then think about what I can do with that. And then that's going to be his argument to keep his job. Like We've seen stuff like that before with the Bears even. Remember when Mark Tressman benched Jay Cutler for Jimmy Clausen? Yes. The same thing. That was insane. So that's what I think is happening here. I think they've moved on from fields. I, I think they want to see what Bajent looks like for the reasons I just laid out. And I, I don't think they have any intention of bringing Justin Fields back next year. Yeah. Because um, the thing is, he dislocated his thumb he went over to the sideline and they popped it back in on the sideline. Um, I thought the way I understood the information was that he would miss one week and it was more precautionary than it was anything else. Um, and a little bit of pain management. Uh, I certainly did not expect him to be gone two weeks. And yes, as it was very strange for them to come out right the next morning and say, yep, he's out again. Well, so originally I saw that it could be like four weeks if he didn't need surgery. And then if he needed surgery, it could be like eight to 10. So then they came out and said he doesn't need surgery. And then they didn't put him on IR, which made me think, all right, maybe it's closer to two. And then Fields, or I can't remember if Fields said it. Or somebody said they expected him to play against the Saints. And then Monday morning, like, first question of the press conference, even for this, like, yeah, no, he's out. So, I don't know. I, I don't know if maybe he aggravated the injury again, or I, I think... Maybe more, he just doesn't want to come back and play for this team. Would you blame him? No, I wouldn't. I mean, it's entirely possible that he doesn't want to play for the Bears. They don't want to see anything more from him. So, they're all kind of, like, kind of having a wink-wink, nod-nod, not necessarily saying it, but just, like, 
look, guys, I'll catch you in December. Right. I, I, I have no interest in playing another snap for you guys. So that, that could be what's happening. And, and the thing is, um, you know, I, it also makes me wonder how many other players that that is happening with. How many other players are playing for Eberflus and his staff and hate it? Well, this is a good segue. Do you have a question about Jalen Johnson on there? Uh, yeah, go ahead. So, I, I was wondering I this. I mean, obviously we should talk about him. Yeah, I was wondering this because I've mentioned that I listen to Jalen Johnson's weekly interview on The Score. I find it really compelling. I, I think he's just a really interesting listen and then we get the news on Tuesday that he's requested a trade, which was not expected. And by the way, if you listen to Ryan Poles today, it didn't sound like he expected it either. But they don't trade him. And then today, Jalen Johnson is talking to the media, and he's making it seem like they're very far apart and that he wanted to see what else is out there, which is his right. But I was thinking, man, if you were him, why would you want to sign an extension with this team? Talk about four just years of misery when you talk about the last two years of Matt Nagy and then the two years of Matt Eberflus. Yeah. Like, if you're a player that has any other opportunity somewhere else, why do you want to stick around this mess? And look, Chicago's a great city and the fan base is passionate, but if I'm Jalen Johnson, what have what is this organization showing me that tells me they're capable of building a winner in the next two, three, four, five, six years. And so I, I don't know. Maybe he loves playing for the Bears and he wants to stay. That's what he says. But of course he's going to say that. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me at all if he's trying to just get through this season and get out of here. At the same time, um, you know, I, I wonder how much it just comes down to the dollars and cents part of it. because Probably a lot. Yeah, I mean, when it comes right down to it, we know that that is a heavy driver when it comes to these players. They're all about um, uh, getting a, a, a big long-term deal, and they're all about the, the guaranteed money. And I am 100% behind that because the owners make gobs. They make way more money than everybody realizes. And look for every opportunity to screw over the players. They look for every opportunity. So, I, but I, and I certainly would like to keep him. Now, I, I don't, I've said before many times, and I'll continue to say it, I don't care how much money of the McCaskies <laughs> get spent. It, it doesn't yeah. bother me. All I care about is how resource allocation goes. And while we as fans love to follow the salary cap and say that we understand this, we don't understand anything about the salary cap. Salary cap is, is meant to seem mysterious because the owners don't want us to understand it as fans. Right. That means that when they want to sign a guy, they'll be able to come up with any kind of money that the player wants. And when they don't, they don't seem to have the cash available. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, the, he is now put himself in where he has two big contracts to deal with. Uh, supposedly, Jalen Johnson wants an unreasonable amount of money uh, for what he has achieved. While we like Jalen Johnson, to me, to say that he is an elite top flight cornerback is not accurate. He is a very good one, but we've watched him get burned one-on-one -on -one by some of the big-time receivers many times. 
Now, at the same time, I wouldn't say he's a good player. I would say he's more towards the great player level, right? Yeah, I think he's really good. And so, do I think he should be in the top 10? Absolutely, I think that's reasonable to, to say he's in the top 10. But should he be one? No. And I thought the same thing about Roquan Smith. I still don't think Roquan Smith is the best linebacker in the NFL. And even if he is the best middle linebacker in the NFL, we don't treat uh, that, that position to me doesn't deserve $100 million. And I, I think that the money needs to go more towards defensive linemen. Now, Montez Sweat, Montez Sweat does deserve $100 million because that's what edge rushers make. It's the second highest paid position in the NFL. The only one that's higher than it is quarterback. And that's the way it is, and that's the way it's going to be. So I'd love it if they just went and said, you know what, we're going to give you a huge deal. Also, it was brought up this week, and I think this is key, that Jalen Johnson has had to deal with a defensive line that has no penetration ability whatsoever, mm-hmm. which is makes it much harder on the secondary. This would be helpful to him so that the secondary doesn't have to stretch it out for so long. It, it, I think uh, Yannick is a nice uh, counterpart to, to Montez Sweat. Yeah, I think that'll help him. Yeah, I, I certainly do. And we got some other uh, we got some other young guys maybe that um, you know can develop a little bit more having a great player around him. Uh, but these things all need to work together and that's the scary thing is it doesn't seem like anything is working together. No, it doesn't. And look, starting with Jalen Johnson, I really think they need to sign him now i don't want him to overpay by a significant amount like you said i don't think he deserves to be the highest paid cornerback in the nfl but if they have to overpay by a couple million dollars a year i think that's worth it to Agreed. keep a player like that in your building and look and they have the money to do it exactly that's the other point is that it doesn't seem like next year you're going to be paying your quarterback a whole lot of money so that means you can overpay in other parts of your roster and if they have to overpay to keep a talent like that in their building, within reason, I think they should do it. And I don't know what they're quibbling over. I don't know if they're $10 million a year apart or if they're $5 million a year apart. We don't know. But they need to find a way to get this done because you don't build a team by letting 24-year-old players at really important positions walk out for nothing. And if you let them go, you're going to spend the next three years trying to draft cornerbacks that can maybe be as good as he is. Like, he's really good. I don't think he's one of one. I don't think he's in the top five. But I think he's a really, really good cornerback. And cornerback is an important position. And it's not quarterback. It's not edge rusher. But it's really important. It's more important than linebacker. So And it is one of the higher paid positions. It is. And he's also a leader in the secondary and a leader on your defense. And When you listen to Brisker and Gordon and Stevenson and other young players on that defense talk about Jalen Johnson, they really look up to him as a leader. So, and that in that um, development has already happened for you. You don't have to start developing it now. It's already in ongoing. Exactly, and I just really hope they find a way to get this done because if you trade him, obviously you can't anymore. Trade deadlines passed, but that sucks because. 
whatever draft pick you get, probably you're not going to draft a player that's as good as Jalen Johnson, at least not right away. And if you let him walk for nothing, then that is just a terrible misallocation of resources. And I know people bring up the franchise tag, and it's been brought up with both Johnson and with Sweat. I, I hate relying on the franchise tag just because so often you just don't get the player's best effort. And sometimes you do, and that's great, and those players should be applauded because they're getting a lot of money, and that's the professional way to go about it. But a lot of times, you know, you just don't get the same level of buy-in. And that is, to me, something that I don't want the front office relying on when you talk about players of this caliber because right. – if you pay the franchise tag, that's a huge cap hit anyway. So just extend them and keep the player happy and send the message in your locker room that good play is going to get rewarded. So polls today made it sound like they want to get something done, but the tone was also pretty similar to what I remember with Roquan Smith, which is that clearly the fact that this was made public doesn't sit well with Ryan Poles. And Look, we're seeing a trend here now. This is two really talented, really important players on your defense that have now gotten into somewhat ugly public contract negotiations. And Roquan ended up getting traded. I hope Jalen Johnson doesn't. But I don't know. I I just don't think that's a good way to conduct your business by making your star players so disgruntled that they feel no other choice but to request trades and to negotiate through the media. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I certainly would have liked to have kept uh, Roquan Smith on the team if that was possible. Um, we will, uh, I will mention that Roquan didn't just have problems with polls. He also had problems with pace Correct. when he was a rookie. So that didn't bode well right from the get-go. Um, he did. He did end up getting his deal, um, you know, uh, out there in Baltimore, and uh, he ended up being, uh, uh, you know, a, a top player for yeah, him, he's... and that and that's and that's great for him. Um, but what um, if polls? You you mentioned earlier, polls. Uh, you know, gave up a lot to to bring this guy in as a high second round pick. Um, You're talking about sweat now. Yeah, sweat, and um, and I'm you know I'm kind of uh, bouncing off both uh, him and and Jalen Johnson because they're both kind of like you just said in the same boat, right? We 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 have a lot invested uh, in in Jalen Johnson because we went through the entire development process with him, and like you said, he he's at least a top ten. Uh, a, a top ten corner, maybe a, maybe top five in some people's opinion, but. Either way, he's very good, and we don't want to lose him. Right. And uh, and and as you said, he is a team leader. We, and, and we need young. that. And he's young, right? So he he needs to be paid. We need to retain his services rather than starting over again. We we've been doing so much starting over. It's now ground the fan base down to this place where it's like a raw nerve. Yeah. Right. So uh, and yes. Be it right or not, um, Roquan Smith does is still a glaring, um, a, a, a glaring problem uh, because people still look at it and go, "Well, this happened with 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 Roquan, and Roquan is gone now." Right, right, and and that set the precedent. So now, are we at that same precedent? Are we at that? It sure seems like it. Sure looks pretty familiar. Well. But now you can't trade Jalen Johnson. So 
if you don't reach an extension, your options are let him walk or franchise tag, and neither are, are good. So we can talk about my, uh, Sweat too because look, th- that's a really good player. I, I really like Sweat as a player, but to me, in order for that trade to be exciting two things need to happen number one you need to find a way to extend Jalen Johnson because yeah making the line stronger while taking the best player out of the secondary isn't isn't great not real smart and then the second thing that needs to happen is they need to sign into a contract extension when I'm, yeah. ta- I'm talking about sweat like I-, I was under the impression that yesterday like Tuesday evening we were going to get the headline Bears agree to a six-year contract extension with Montez Sweat. Agreed. That didn't happen. And then today, Poles said they're working on it, and Sweat's like, you know, I kind of want to see how everything plays out around me. He sure didn't really sound super excited about the possibility of being a bear for a long time. So you cannot trade a second-round pick for him and then either franchise tag him or let him leave in free agency. That's complete negligence. And yeah, this is the second year in a row now that the Bears have traded – a second round pick for a player at the trade deadline in a season that clearly wasn't going anywhere. We know the first one worked out. Yeah. I, I sure hope they find a way over the next eight weeks to keep sweat here for a long time because he is a really good player and he's going to be a really nice addition to the line, but you need that addition to the line to pay benefits next year when theoretically the team's trying to win because the, the second half of this year is already shot in terms of being and playing in any meaningful football games. Yeah, so uh, Jeremy Fowler, uh, writer for ESPN, if you're not familiar with him, um, he, uh, he does uh, reviews of the trades. And last year when he reviewed the Chase Claypool trade, he gave the Bears a D minus <laughs> <laughs> for uh, for that acquisition, and for a lot of the same reasons that um, came up this year with Montez Sweat, uh, and he gave that trade a D minus. Mm, um, now he did acknowledge that Sweat certainly is a more accomplished player uh, than Chase Claypool uh, was or is. Um, However, he happily gave the Bears an F when uh, Claypool was traded away this year. Um, <laughs> and uh, like I said, he's given him a D- minus at this point. Correct me if I'm wrong. F is worse than D-. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really at that point, you're just splitting hairs, right? <laughs> but uh, so, um, however, D-, minus, you still get the credits. Yeah, you do. <laughs> uh, so... Um, I, I, now while last year, it's still, when I read that he got it, that polls got a D minus for that. I, I was, uh, I, I defended polls because I felt like that that was unfair simply because there was no wide receivers available. There was no wide receivers expected to be available that were very good in the off season. And the bears wide receiver core was beyond terrible. It was, anyway, you all remember it. And I saw them bringing in a young player uh, who needed a chain of a change of scenery uh, that could come in and immediately make a difference. And for the first couple of games, it almost looked like that's what we were bringing in. But that soon fell apart. And, but that's not, but... 
what happened after he actually got here is, to me, again, more on the coaching staff than on polls. However, uh, you know, we went through the offseason, and if they recognized that this guy was garbage, to me, that's when they should have got rid of him. Um, they had all offseason to put him up, put a for sale sign on him and see what we could get out of him. Instead, they decided to go back into the season with him, and that brought his value even lower. Sure did. So it, 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 that was that part of the debacle was squarely on polls. Uh, if if the player is that disgruntled as a GM, there's no way that you should be sitting in your office and not be aware of that. Yeah, I agree with that. And look, with Sweat, I don't think you have any of those character issues. Everything about that I've learned about him is that he's a really high character guy, plays hard, good professional, really good player. His numbers are really solid. And it, 35 and a half sacks, 47 tackles for loss. Yeah, pretty good. And doesn't miss games, which is another big thing. But if you don't sign into an extension, all that's pretty meaningless to me because I really don't care what he does in the last nine games of this season because the Bears are terrible and they're going to win one or two or three more games and they're not going anywhere. So they need to... They could literally lose all the rest of them. Oh, they sure could. Playing playing like they did yesterday or uh, Sunday. They, they sure could. I mean, look, they got the win against the Raiders. That team can't wait to lose. <laughs> they're, they're 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 playing real NFL teams the rest of the way, and they're on the they're on the the good ship tank tank a lot. Yeah, and so I will be very excited about seeing Sweat in a Bears uniform leading the defensive line going into 2024. But if they don't get that extension done, and if he leaves, and you traded a second round pick for a rental when you're two and six, then that's a fireable offense. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's certainly that would be worse than Claypool. That that would be a, a, just a huge a huge bomb in the face. Um, you know, uh, I'm I'm completely in agreement. I thought that you know bringing sacrificing a second round. Uh, I know Bears fans out there are absolutely on fire about that. I don't have that much of a problem with it. Because this guy has shown he can play, and the the position need is bad. Yeah. Now it does look bad that right after that happened, the Niners get Chase Young for uh, a third, a low third. We gave up a high second. Um, you wonder what happened there. However, let's not let's also give. Uh, give due to the fact that Montez Sweat is much more accomplished in the NFL than Chase Young is. Yeah, Chase Young is all about the potential of what he could do. That's assuming he can stay healthy. Right. Now, the other sketchy part of that is, you know, if he can stay healthy, why did Washington get rid of a guy like that? Why did Washington get rid of both of those guys? That's, to me, is crazy. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, Either way, um, we, we are where we are now. To find out that you know he might want to just hang out to see what kind of offers he can get, that is that's scary. Yeah, it sure is, and especially knowing what we know about the Bears organization right now. I mean, are, are do you think he's going to be impressed with what he sees over the next nine games? 
I I mean it's <laughs> that, hard. It's hard. It it's really hard to impress anybody when you're on a team that's as terrible as this. Yeah. So look, like even he, if he has a great rest of his season, and how motivated can you be for that? Right. And like you said, money talks. If the Bears throw him a huge contract extension, like more than he would get on the open market, then I'm sure he'll sign it because. If he can get more money with the Bears than he can anywhere else, then that's, I'm sure, what he'll do. But They're kind of stuck in that position to make that kind of offer. Exactly. Because, I mean, he's not stupid. He saw you just gave up a high second round pick to get him. That's right. And, you know what? If you did do that, you should just go ahead and throw the money at him. For one thing, you got the money. So, why don't you do that? Um, get him sated. Say, you know what? We did this for a purpose. Let's go ahead. We're going to give you the big dollars. I mean, they gave pretty big dollars uh, uh, in the offseason to, um, Edmonds. to Edmonds. So, yeah, go ahead and throw on the big money and uh, and be done with it. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I hope this gets done. I, I hope we're not sitting around for the next nine weeks with Montez Sweat being an uncertainty because... Look, if they sign him to a five-year extension, I'll be a lot more excited about the trade. But the the longer it goes that he's not a certainty going forward, then this looks really iffy because, look, this Bears thing has been really bad for eight weeks. You really only see it getting worse (laughs) because they don't have a strong leader at head coach. And, look, when NFL seasons go off the rails, things can get ugly in the locker room and... Every week that we get closer to the offseason, that's another week that goes by that a player like Montez Sweat or Jalen Johnson can just say, you know, it seems kind of tempting to just let this thing play out and then we'll see what kind of interest there is from other teams in the offseason. So if, if you let that happen, then you're fired, in my opinion. You just you just can't do that. And and, and Poles needs a win. Yes. Right? He, he desperately needs a win. He needs a gold star. And uh, this is a good way to get one. In fact, double double it up. Get two gold stars yeah. and, and sign both Johnson and Sweat. And uh, you'll calm down the fan base a lot. Um, it's two very quality players who've shown you don't even have to bet whether they're quality players or not. You know that they are. They've shown it year in and year out. So you're increasing your odds of making a good investment. It's a good place to start. Yeah, and then you've got good players that are signed for a long time at every level of your defense. Yeah. You've got good defensive end, good middle linebacker, good cornerback. Hopefully you can get a three technique out of Dexter. And, you know, you can then at least see how you're trying to build this thing at all three levels of your defense. So I, I, I... think sweat gets done i i think polls knows that he just can't trade a second round pick for a guy and then not sign him not after what he did last year johnson i'm feeling less confident about that one by the day yeah i i i i mean yeah being being brutally honest yeah i'm not confident that they're gonna get the deal done with him because it, it sounds like he really wants the top flight money and polls is coming across as the guy that's like, um, I'm going to offer you a really good deal, but if that really good deal isn't good enough, then hit the road. Because 
The way I understand it is he did offer Roquan Smith $100 million. It's just that the $100 million had caveats to it that could make it less than $100 million. And that was the part that he didn't like about it. So, um, and but we, you know, Edmonds did get a very good deal. Uh, and uh, we could see him, um, you know, be, uh, he, he's doing, he's having a good year. Uh, not a great year, but a good year, and we. But we can. He's young, and we can see him play for the next few years uh, with the organization. We need more of that. Yep, that's hope. Okay, so quickly, we're gonna go. We're we're just gonna run through uh, the uh, power rankings. Um, the number one team this week is the Philadelphia Eagles. Just wanted to put that out there. Um, the extra thing that they did this week, we're just gonna touch on it. Is they looked at each team's team QBR, which is kind of a weird thing because uh, it's like it really just matters what your starting quarterback is doing. But um, team QBR, just to kind of give you a gauge for the Philadelphia Eagles, is 65.6, which is good for seventh in the NFL. Uh, the number one team in the NFL, I got any guesses? Uh, team QBR? Yeah. Uh, the Dolphins? Dolphins are pretty far up there, 66.7. They're at sixth. Number one team is the Buffalo Bills. I would not would not have guessed. Yeah, he's he's still Josh Allen is still having a pretty good year, but the team, mm, I don't know about that. Uh Kansas City Chiefs, 73.8. So that kind of gives you an idea there. So anyway, our top uh our top NFC team this week, or NFC North team is Detroit. Uh, they moved up from nine to number eight. They had a team QBR of 67.6, which is good enough for fifth. Um, that sure makes me want to steal their offensive coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> Let's bring that guy in and, and we'll pick a quarterback and he can develop them. Um, uh, Minnesota moved, Minnesota took a big jump. Uh, they moved from 21 to 17 after beating the Packers. And then losing their quarterback. And losing their starting quarterback. Don't know how that quite works, but uh, uh, apparently, uh, uh, from what I read on X, uh, Twitter, um, the Vikings fans are pretty ex- uh, excited about bringing in Josh Dobbs. <laughs> I'm not real sure why, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, Josh, I mean it, it's the best they could have made of a bad situation, I think. Josh Dobbs has shown that he's capable of signing with a team and then picking up the offense quickly and then looking competent, but he's not going to be what they lost in Kirk Cousins. And I I, I guess it's it's kind of a no-lose situation because they didn't really give up anything. Yeah. And, look, if he's good, maybe you get Jefferson back and you've got Addison and maybe you can make a run and at least get into the playoffs, but you're not going to go very far. Would you say that um, Dobbs uh, keeps the job if Mullins comes back? Uh, or when Mullins comes back? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I wonder if that's a, a prop bet over in Vegas I, right I, now. I don't, I, don't, I don't know that there's a strong difference between the two. I, I think no matter what, when you, when you lose your starting quarterback, that pretty much ends your season. Yeah, so, exactly. Like, may, the NFC's terrible. Maybe Dobbs or Mullins or the other guy, Jaron Hall, can do enough to get them into the seventh seed, but they're going to be out in the first round. Yeah. Uh, the Packers, uh, fell from number 24 to number 27. Mm-hmm. Uh, their team QBR 43.3. 
I wonder what it is if you exclude that Bears game. Uh, it'd be a lot less. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, that was definitely his best game. Um, and so they were at 27. Where do you think the Bears are? Uh, I'm putting them at 30th ahead of the Cardinals and ahead of the... Uh, I'm just I'm completely spacing on the, the other Texans? team that would be behind them. No, the Panthers, sorry. Panthers, and yes, that's exactly right. Um, so uh, they are they're, uh, ahead of those two teams. Team QBR, 37.8. Where does that rank? Well, it's 26, believe it or not. Um, I went and looked it up because I was like, God, I didn't think that uh, his numbers were that bad. Um, you know, QBR is, I like QBR more than uh, passer rating. I think passer rating is easier to get a high to high to get a higher number than it is in QBR, but QBR still is kind of funky. Um, yeah, Justin Fields uh, QBR is thirty-seven point six. Uh, he's in front of Zach Wilson, Kenny Pickett, Bryce Young, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Ryan Tannehill. It's not good company. Not and, good company. And right like, behind Desmond Ritter and Daniel Jones. Ooh. And like we talked about, we don't even know when we're going to see Fields again next. Yeah, we don't know when we're, we'll see Fields, um, if we do at all. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, uh, obviously the uh, NFC North is pretty awful. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Kirk Cousins was certainly having a, a, a very good year. Um, the team, though, overall, I still don't think was uh, even good enough to make it to the NFC Championship. Uh, I, I the think Vi- they were, the Vikings. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I, I I think they were borderline a playoff team anyway, even though he was having this really really good year. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I I feel sorry for uh, for him. Uh, nobody wants to see uh, a player get uh, get hurt and, and taken out for the rest of the year like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no question that uh, Cousins is certainly a hard worker. Um, you don't want to see. Uh, you don't want to see that happen to any player, but um, uh, so uh, quickly uh, jumping around uh, the schedule, uh, we have uh, first up Minnesota at Atlanta, and it looks like wow, forty nine percent Falcons, fifty one percent Vikings. <laughs> well, 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 well. The the Falcons are four and a half point favorites, so something. And, and they just they just sat Desmond Ritter. Yeah, something's off with those odds. But I mean, I have no idea what's going to happen in this game because I don't know who's going to play quarterback for the Vikings. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Dobbs. Like if he is, if they just put him right out there. Yeah, I mean, it's happened before with Josh Dobbs a couple times. I mean, it's that or Clayton Tone. No, 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 no. no. You're, that's. You're talking about the Viking. It's Jer- yeah. Jaron Hall. Yeah, Jaron Hall. That, that's, that's right. So we don't know. It's a really important game for the Vikings if they want to make Dobbs the playoffs. Dobbs is probably going to start. I would think so. It's a really important game. Who, for the, who is the starter for Atlanta? Uh, Heineke. Oh, Taylor Heineke, right. So, if, so you edge, edge quarterback goes to him. Yeah, agreed. But look, if, if the Vikings want to make the playoffs, they need to win this game because going to be them and the Falcons competing for that seventh spot probably yeah um it's in Atlanta the Falcons are very dumb and (laughs) they are they're poorly coached but I think they probably do have the advantage in terms of talent when you talk about Heineke and when you talk about their skill running back too yeah 
So I'd like to give the edge to the Falcons, but I have no idea what's going to happen in this game. I'm picking the Falcons. Um, I I think Minnesota, um, it's such a hard bounce back from losing the team leader like that. That's just demoralizing. It's very demoralizing. You got a guy who, like, is, I mean, he was just benched, and now he's starting for a different team. I mean, talk about a jumbled week. Uh, Atlanta... Um, at least has a little bit of cohesion, uh, and they're at home, so I'll take them. Uh, Los Angeles Rams at Green Bay <laughs> Cheese Dicks. Another uh, quarterback injury because they don't know if Stafford's going to play. Yeah, um, I think that uh, let's see what the uh, matchup predictor has. The matchup predictor is 59 Rams, 41 Packers. Um, if Stafford plays, I would go with them just because Love is playing so terrible. But, uh, you know, Stafford is hurt. Um, also, uh, Nakwa is uh, listed on the questionable list, too. It's tough to pick the Packers to do anything. And the Rams are on the, the, Rams are on the road. Um, boy, probably the Packers, uh, if, especially if uh, Stafford doesn't play, absolutely. Yeah, I don't even know who the Rams' backup is, but yeah, most people probably don't. <laughs> I mean, if 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 it's not Stafford, then that's just going to be like a really ugly game. If it's Stafford, then I've got to give the edge to the Rams because Stafford's so much better than Jordan Love, and I think McVay's a much better coach than Lafleur. So that, yeah. that's where I would lean if Stafford plays. If if it's not, I still think McVay's a really good coach, and the Packers just stink. But I, I think it's probably a coin flip game with, with just two really awful teams if, if Stafford's not playing. Agreed on all. So, finally, uh, Bears uh, at Saints. <laughs> uh, matchup predictor, 64% Saints, 36 for the Bears. Uh, the Bears are just a dumpster fire. Um, I, don't, I don't see how they could beat any NFL team right now. Well, I mean... Look, no one's going to confuse the Saints with the 2007 Patriots, but they're a decent team. Their offense has been playing a little better. They have scored a lot of points in their last couple games, and Superdome's a really tough one. Wow, Saints by eight and a half. Yeah, that's tough. That's That's a tough spread because the Saints typically don't blow teams out, but... Um, Superdome's a tough place to play, and yeah, I just have no confidence in the Bears. I think that we got a little bit of false confidence by them beating the Josh McDaniels-led Raiders, and I don't see how the Bears go into the Superdome and win, so that's my analysis on that one. Yeah, um, the Bears are garbage, uh, and I wish I could uh, dress it up more than that, but I'm not going to, and um, uh, it's on the road. Uh, I'll say this. I, I hope that uh, uh, Bajan Orange has a, has a good game. I, I, I certainly love the story for the kid. Um, and, I, and I, for one, am not going to put a cap on him. Um, we don't know what we have with that kid. Uh, and we don't know what the NFL has in that kid. But it's certainly a great story to this point. More, more power to him. I hope he's able to hook up with DJ Morrison uh, in this game. And we... You know, one of the things that was so confusing in the last game was simply Deontay Foreman had such a, a good game against the Raiders, and they decided to go back to running back by committee. 
Um, it just made no sense to me. I, I just didn't understand why you just sim- simply didn't keep the guy with a hot hand in there. But uh, you, you know, like it sucks that the bears are so bad that we don't even like it to spend time on stuff like that. <laughs> right. Like, we, we'd like to deep dive deeper, but like we, we like the, the, the organization's so dysfunctional that the dumb decisions on the field are like ninth on the list. They just, yeah, they just completely outweigh any other talking points. So, uh, so on Bajant really quick, like we saw, it didn't look very good on the road. The chargers are not a hostile road environment. This is, in the yeah. Superdome, this is going to be a tough matchup. If if he looks competent, then that's going to be a huge win for me. Like that building's going to be fired up. The Saints just got a big win on the road, and they're tied for first in the division right now. So I I think this is a, a really tough matchup, and yeah. against against a good defense and a loud crowd, it would be nice to just see some productive play. I, I would be I would be happy with that. Yeah, I would just too. for them to go out and look like a team. How about that? That'd be good. <laughs> so our, our, our wants are meager yes indeed so um uh, survivor we're still surviving yeah we're still there uh we're in the last 300 of this pool so what are we looking at here so um, i think the team that's most likely to win is the saints <laughs> um <laughs> that's a that is a good pick so here's my thought on this because like i said there's only 295 people left in this pool and I kind of just scanned through the list and like almost nobody's used the Saints yet, which makes me think that like 90% of the pool is going to be on the Saints. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was a huge amount on the Chargers last week. So. Yeah, so we could use the Saints and just say that that's our best chance of survival. Or we could try to pick somebody else and hope against hope that the Bears win and knock out like 75% of the remaining people. What's your preference between those two options? Yeah, I think... Um... Uh, I think, you know, from first glance, I would have to go with, uh, the saints. Um, it's really, it, it forever in a day, it's always been hard for me to bet against the bears because, because <laughs> I'm a Homer. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's looking pretty smart at this point. Um, some of the other good ones, you know, they're, they're kind of risky. I, I kind of like Cincinnati, yeah, uh, versus I, Buffalo, but I too. Um, you know that uh, that Cincinnati team certainly has the talent to do it, but which team shows up? Um, you know that uh, that's a that's a, a good one. It, it uh, seems like Burrow is over whatever calf injury he was dealing with. He's looked really good the last couple weeks. Yeah, and uh, so that one that one looks like it, it could be a, a good one to to go with. Um, Otherwise, uh, yeah, the Saints uh, look like it, it, it could be one that we could stick I, with, I like too. the Ravens a little bit. Six-point favorites at home versus Seattle. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, if we weren't going to do the Saints... I don't like Seattle on the road, for sure. No. If we weren't going to do the Saints, I'd want to do the Ravens. Uh, I would consider the Bengals, although that's, that's risky. Uh, Eagles. We've already used the Eagles. We can't use them. I don't like the Patriots I don't like the Texans I don't like the Packers I don't like the Falcons Chiefs but that's the London game that's always weird I don't like the Steelers with yeah and the Chiefs are coming off um a weird a weird game They're, they're playing strange yeah and just going to London and we just know that like their offense 
is is missing a, a little bit. They just don't have a reliable receiver. So. Well, um, we haven't taken the Colts yet. Oh, against the uh, Colts at Carolina. Eh. Of course, Carolina did beat Houston. Yeah, that scares me a little bit too. Um, with Minshew, I I don't like that. I. I think it's Saints or Ravens, or you could talk me into the Bengals. So those three, do you, do you want to be a little risky and then have our orange pom-poms out on Sunday? Or, yeah. Or do you want to just go with the Saints and just say that? I think, I, think we, I think we go with Cincinnati. Cincinnati? Yeah. All we right. go with Cincinnati. Um, we might, we'll, we'll keep uh, the Saints to the outside for right now. We got we got a few days to change our mind. Yeah, but um, but so there it is for us. the The pick this week we're gonna go with is Cincinnati. Um, of course, you could be looking at the Saints. It looks like probably a lot of people will be taking the Saints. This yeah. Week. So if we're going with Cincinnati, uh, because I mean, there's not a ton of other great times you'd want to use them. I guess they play the Texans at home in a couple weeks, and they also play the Vikings at home later in the year, but. They're playing well. I really like them against Buffalo. Buffalo's defense is so banged up. They just can't stop anybody. And I kind of feel like the Bengals win that game in a shootout. And maybe Josh Allen turns it over a couple times. But I don't know. I, I feel pretty good about trusting Burrow at home there. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got a couple days to change our mind. So maybe we will. But for now, we're going with the Bengals. So uh, thanks uh, for joining us once again. Um, I'm sure, well, hopefully we won't have another giant pile of shit <laughs> deal with yeah we, we went next a week we went a little long this week sorry about that there's a lot going on um very little of it good yeah <laughs> but yeah thanks again for listening and yeah let's let's see if we can have a, a performance that actually merits some time on the podcast <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> oh wait one thing uh yes. jim and i went to um paulie's is the name of the new bears bar uh in uh st paul and uh it's a nice place um we enjoyed it the uh the ownership there was very friendly um the service was very good uh we had the food the food was good limited menu right now but uh that'll be expanding and yeah the the food that we did have was good yeah it was um it was a really uh nice uh time to go there uh we're it's got the big thumbs up from the Bears cat. Yeah, and I, I don't believe they're open to the public yet. I think they're only opening for Bears games. So Yeah, until mid-November. Yeah, I think that's right. So don't type Polly's into Google Maps because I don't think it'll come up. If you need the address, reach out to Tom or me or ping the show Twitter account at Bear underscore scat. But yeah, let's... Hope, let's show the, these new owners some, some love. They, they seem to be really taking it seriously. And like I said, they're opening up special for Bears games. So let's make it worth their while. If you're on the fence, and I know the Bears suck, and I know that it's a hard sell to go to the bar for four hours on Sunday to watch this team, but let's support this business if we can. They, they seem like they're doing all the right things. All right. Thanks, yep. uh, Bear down.